Hey, this is Diana, the Bard of Hudson. What the heck does that mean? A bard is just a storyteller. So here I am to share stories with you. What was it like growing up in the 60s and 70s? Did I really meet Bob Marley on an airplane? I hope you enjoy listening to my crazy life and that it inspires you to share your stories in some way. One great way to share your thoughts with me is through my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard. There you can see the photos and written materials that enrich my stories with visuals. Please check it out. And wherever you're listening, please rate and review and share the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. At the end of the day, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Hello, welcome back. Thank you for being here with me today. And wherever you are, I am in Greece. I am at a residency for artists and writers and painters, and dancers and musicians. And it's very cool because we're getting, every night for the past few nights, we've gotten presentations from each person to show what their body of work is like and what they're hoping to accomplish here and stuff like that. And oh my God, this is a very, very talented group of people from the young ones who are as young as 22, all the way up to the older ones who I think the oldest is in their late 60s. And so I'm at the older end and I'm very happy and honored to be part of this group. And it's exciting. It makes me feel like, damn, I need to get some shit done. <laughs> right. So today I was sitting and writing, and I like to find out different nooks and such to work in to see which one is going to be inspirational in a different way. Because after all, I'm here to take advantage of all of that, so I might as well. So today, I'm in a small concrete courtyard, which is overhung with a trellis heavy with grapevines. Small clusters of tiny green grapes hang down, and the sunlight filters through to softly light the old wooden tabletop beneath my paper. There's a door in the wall across from me that is padlocked, but the lock hangs open. There's no theft in this tiny remote place. There's a second wooden chair pulled up to the table just opposite me. From this angle, it looks empty, but I know differently. If I sit up a bit straighter and look over the tabletop, I can just see the top of an orange and white head and a small pink-tinged ear that flicks occasionally to disperse a fly. Just one of about 30 cats who roam this small village in search of handouts. This one seems content enough with a soft place to sleep for now. It's not the same one who serenaded me to sleep last night. Just as I turned out the light at 12.30, a soft chirrup came floating through my window. My roommate Alan called out from his room, Do you hear that? I chuckled. It's my girl. And I answered in my kitty-calling voice, Eloise, is that you? I've named her Eloise. My brother Noah has a beautiful dog named Eloise, so it's not quite doing her justice, but it's a cute name. She kept calling, and I went to the window to see her, only to learn that I was flattering myself. It was not me she was seeking. She was not Romeo to my Juliet. She was sitting at the far corner of a roof below me and calling out into the night across the rooftops of the sleeping town, calling for fellow felines, not delusional humans. 
I smiled at my own folly and sank back into bed and fell asleep to her singing. I miss my kitties. But I am having numerous encounters with nature during these quiet days, not just cats. I think that removing other distractions of modern living leaves room for me to see the smaller things, the quiet things, the natural world that goes about the business of living, growing and dying, whether I pay attention or not. I'm inconsequential in that world, but now I find myself more open to investigating it. I went foraging yesterday. At first, my aim was simply to see how many different kinds of plants I could see, because there's a woman here who is working on a plant identifying catalog from all of the plants that we have here. And so her interest caught my interest, and I've just been trying to keep my eyes open and be more aware. At first, I was just looking for different kinds of plants, but then I fell to that simple pleasure of picking flowers that I don't think I've indulged in for years, at least not in the wild. Yes, I would make bouquets from my garden back in Nyack, but when I discovered that our cat, Sadie, the deaf one, who was only allowed to stay inside, got violently ill when she munched on some of the flowers that I had brought inside, I realized that I could not bring the outside flowers inside without making her sick. So I guess I stopped picking flowers at home too. So I was picking flowers all the way down the hill from the cafe up in the piazza above the town where we have meals all the way down to my apartment. By the time I reached my door, I had a sizable bouquet of almost every color on the color wheel. I even sprinkled in some herbs to bring in the pleasures of smells. Huge bushes of rosemary swell over the edges of the paths throughout the village, along with sage, dill, thyme, and something called Cretan Mountain Tea. All of these can be dried and used in cooking or steeped fresh for tea. All of these are deliciously aromatic. Well pleased with my bouquet, I returned to my room and failing to find a vase, I cut the bottom off of a liter water bottle. I set this deeply satisfying treasure in my window and readied myself to get to work on the computer. I had not been at the desk 10 minutes before, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something crawling across the small desktop. I turned to focus on it and realized to my horror that it was a scorpion. It slipped surreptitiously underneath a postcard that was lying on the desktop. I slowly got up, holding my breath, not wanting to startle it, thinking, what, that it would leap at me and tear out my jugular? Something equally dramatic and terrifying, I guess. I snatched up my shoe and brought it down with a bang. Flattened scorpion. I lifted the postcard and there it was, all gushy. And I realized it was about two or two and a half inches long. It was clear, sort of beige, and had horrible big pinchers. And I was like, oh my God, yikes, <laughs> terrifying. So I immediately went and picked up the bouquet and gingerly brought it out to the terrace. Okay, you and all of your guests can just sit out here. Never mind, I guess you don't get to live in my room and you know, give me your lovely pleasures in here. Oh, that was awful. And then later in the day, 
I was doing my laundry and I went to put away some of my underwear and I saw another scorpion, but this time it was about half an inch long, tiny teeny one, just hiding behind my pile of underwear. I was like, oh my God, that's it. I'm never going to sleep again. And I'm only going to wear the pair of underwear that I have on my body right now. (laughs) So encounters with wildlife. I don't think I'm cut out for that, actually. (laughs) This morning, we also went to an open-air market. And that is something that I delight in doing every time I go to Italy. And I was pleasantly surprised to find how similar this market was to those in the small towns in Italy. It was set up in much the same way with the overhanging tents and the huge market umbrellas piles and piles of vegetables, although some of them differed. You don't see as many artichokes in Italy, that's for sure. And then there were huge banks of Cretan herbs, all of those same herbs that I had been picking for my bouquet. Lots and lots of Cretan mountain tea because it just grows in huge, huge bushes all over the mountainside. And I bought a couple of bags of herbs that were already mixed to make Greek salad. So I don't even have to figure it out. I'll just sprinkle them in when I get home and have some of the savers from here long past when I leave here. That'll be wonderful. I did buy a couple of dresses and I can't believe I did that because my suitcases are already overflowing. But it's it's very hard not to want to take a piece of this experience with you and Every time I put on that dress, I'll be like, oh, I remember when I was in Crete. Oh, so fun. And all of the faces and all of the smells will come back to me. Just wearing that dress. I'm sure they will. Another of the fun experiences I had that was very much about this place and this village was that the other day I was outside on our little terrace that is outside of my roommate Alan's room. And it's a terrace where we have the evening presentations that I talked about. So it's this lovely, big, open space. And just across the road from it, it's not a road, really. I guess it's a walking road, a path. There is a balcony up above me. And there was an Italian man in his underwear talking on the phone. And I was trying to be discreet, not looking at him. But I was listening to the Italian and chuckling And then when he got off the phone and he was just standing in his underwear, staring out at the sea, I said something in Italian and I started up a little conversation. And he was like, oh, that's fun. And he started talking to me and telling me that in this village, about half of the regular inhabitants are Italians, along with a big group of French and then a smattering of Germans. But he said the Italians just come here of all places to this tiny mountain village above the southern coast of Crete with a name that nobody could find on a Google map. And they all have bought little homes here. And they hang out here from June until the end of August, escaping Italy of all things. Escaping Italy. It seems so funny, especially after I saw the similarities of the market, and there are so many similarities in the herbs and the cooking in some ways, you know, fried fish we had for dinner last night and big tomato salads, so many similarities to what I find in Italy. So it's really bewildering in a way that Italians would escape that to come here. But 
There are so many empty buildings in this village, and in fact, many of which are crumbling, really falling down. I'm talking, you can look into empty doorways, and there are beams that have collapsed, and there's huge chunks of concrete that are on the floor, and there are plants growing out of the inside. And that, I would say, makes up about half of the buildings in this town. And many of those are for sale. So I guess people buy them for a pittance and then reconstruct them. And they make their lovely Cretan getaway. Because this guy had a beautiful terrace and it was overhung with bourgainvillea. And so he was probably recreating something that he left behind in Italy at a much better price. So it's like someone from New York going down to some cute little village in South Carolina? I I don't know. (laughs) It's interesting to try and figure out people's motivations and what they're looking for when they escape their own surroundings. Hmm, what am I looking for having escaped my own surroundings? This is a beautiful surrounding, but I don't know if I'd stay here. It's a little too remote and quiet for me. I'm craving the company of my friends, certainly. I'm missing my kitties, as I said, missing my kids. But it's a beautiful place to have landed for a short while. And I'll tell you more about it, and I will certainly return to my narrative the next time we speak. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Diana the Bard or on Facebook at Diana Green. And check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard for photos and other fun additions. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It makes a world of difference and helps others to find the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye.